This is Pocketbook's Star Trek novelist Michael A. Martin warbling in your ear, and you're listening to Rico on Tricks and Sci-Fi. Hello, folks. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly Star Trek and Star Wars and sci-fi and fantasy podcast. This is uh, podcast number 361. It is December the uh, 11th. Yes, December 11th, 2011. December 11th. So we're at 12-11-11. And next year we'll have a 12-12-12. We had an 11-11-11 this year, right? Wow. Wow, really amazing stuff. <laughs> anyway, today on the show, going to be a very classic style uh, Treks in Sci-Fi, I think. We're going to look at a Star Trek episode. We're going to look at a TNG episode. I haven't really looked at a TNG episode in a while, so I'm really looking forward to this. We're going to look at an episode from, I think this one's Season 5. Yeah, Season 5. It is called The First Duty, and this is the Wesley in Trouble at Starfleet uh, and, and Starfleet Academy. He's... Uh, the, and most people probably listening to the show, well, that, that'll be enough to jog your memory about this episode. And it's a good one. So we're going to look at it and probably just do a full episode commentary and play it uh, along with uh, you listening and me commenting here and there. So that will be on today's show. Talk about some other Star Trek news, uh, other things going on in the world, getting ready for Christmas, only two weeks away right now. Oh, my goodness. And we've had a little snow, a little cold. Actually, it's very cold here all of a sudden. We've had probably down to almost single-digit uh, Fahrenheit temperatures at night. And it got up to about maybe 30, 20, 28, 29, 30 yesterday, but it was about 9 or 10 in the morning. And it's just too darn cold right now. looks like the temperature's starting to go up, so we're at about 20-ish Fahrenheit. And there is your weather report from Michigan. So sit back, relax, and let's get on with the show. again welcome everyone welcome to uh, another edition of treks in sci-fi just want to say uh, again i'm very grateful for everyone listening 
and tuning in each week and for the forum members. And I just wanted to say, if you guys ever have an idea or a suggestion for the show, please write me at treksf at gmail.com. That's also where you would write to get uh, uh, an account set up on the forum if you want to join the forum. I've got the uh, kind of auto registration there shut off for right now because of bots and spammers and things. It's it's probably easier this way to do it. we don't get a lot of uh, you know new members every day, but for there was a period of time where each day I was getting all these gobbledygook kind of email addresses trying to register the, for the forum. There was like up to 70 or 80 guests uh, last night on the forum too. I'm sure a lot of Autobot, uh, Autobots, a lot of Transformers trying to break into the Treks in Sci-Fi forum. So if you want to join, just uh, shoot me an email with the username you want on the forum, and we'll set you up. So how's everyone's week been? Uh, you've been out shopping, getting the decorations put up uh, on your house. If you're uh, someone who celebrates Christmas, I have to acknowledge and, and say that not everyone does Christmas. Uh, we do, and I always have. So it's a, kind of a big deal around here and getting kind of excited about it. Lynn's been out shopping. I haven't done much that mu- uh, in shopping, but then again, I don't have a lot to do. I do a lot of it online got to do a few things still probably run out maybe even later today maybe tomorrow on the way home from work and pick up a couple things so uh let's go into the sci-fi talk though a couple things that i wanted to mention uh first off i watched uh, this past week the uh, sci-fi channel uh, started this i guess it was just the first time last year i believe uh, they did a eureka on the sci-fi channel eureka and warehouse 13 Christmas specials they did uh, last year, and they also did it again this year. The They were both great. Uh, I watched both of them now and enjoyed them both a lot. Uh, the Eureka one, I won't spoil these really for anyone too much. Uh, I'll just give you probably things you can almost see from the previews pretty much. The uh, Eureka one was kind of cool because they the, the characters all became sort of animated in different ways. Oh, there's the phone. I got to grab that. Hang on one second. Hello, Rico. This is Bill Compton once again from Bontem, Louisiana. I just wanted to call in and wish you and all of the listeners to Treks in Sci-Fi a very Merry Christmas. Oh, sorry about that interruption there. That hasn't happened in a while. Lynn had stepped out, and that was one of our neighbor friends uh, calling to wonder where she was at. Probably wanted to know if she wanted to go shopping with her today. So anyway, where was I at? Eureka and Warehouse 13. Yeah, the Eureka episode was was mostly done in animation and different styles. A lot of fun, really cool, and uh, it's, it's great when they do fun stuff like that for the holidays. And, you know, Doctor Who over in the U.K. has done for, for a long time uh, a Christmas special. We're getting one this year, of course, too. And this now is becoming a thing over here a little bit. You know, a lot of the television shows will do some kind of a Christmas episode. And not everyone does it, but a lot of them do. And the sci-fi shows, really the sci-fi shows that I've watched over the years, have really not done that very much. Sometimes I think it has to do with the fact that sci-fi, you know, when a lot of things are set sort of in the future, like Star Trek and other shows, they they kind of like almost seem to imply that holidays like Christmas are almost gone at that point. I don't know. Oh, the only thing I remember about Trek doing Christmas was, you know, when they did it in Star Trek Generations and Picard sees his uh, his sort of pseudo um, Nexus family thing there or whatever uh, the... Um, 
the you know he sees himself having a family and celebrating Christmas. That's one of the few times Star Trek ever hits on that. So, but the Eureka, uh, you know, Eureka did a Christmas special and Warehouse 13. Warehouse 13, I just love that show. I love the characters, the the artifacts that they go search off and find, and there there's a lot of cool ongoing story stuff and background, and it's just a great great show to watch and a lot of fun. Uh, I like Eureka both. Both of them I've always watched since they've started and continue to watch. Eureka, we're getting the last season of that next year, and that will be gone at that point. And and Warehouse 13 has been renewed and uh, I think is still going strong. So I'm I'm happy to see that's going on. So they did a Christmas show, and it, it was... Let's just say it was sort of a takeoff on It's a Wonderful Life, and I think that was uh, – they did a great job with it. A lot of – it allowed them to do a lot of really cool, fun stuff and, and neat moments, and uh, just, again, the cast just shines on that on that show, in, in my opinion, in, in particular. So really enjoyed that. And uh, so those were the Christmas specials and shows that I watched this week, I think. Uh, I usually watch on Christmas. I'll watch A Christmas Story and – I'll watch Christmas Vacation, my my favorite Christmas movies. And then, you know, the usual animated shows are on, too. I don't really watch them as much as I used to, the, the standard ones like Charlie Brown Christmas and all. But anyway, I'm going to take a very short break, and I'm going to come back. Well, actually, one last thing before I go to the break. I want to say I watched a, a movie last night for the uh, that I hadn't seen yet. I wanted to mention it. Not at all Christmassy, but... Uh, kind of a horror kind of thing, but it was really good, and there, there's one real reason, or real particular reason I wanted to mention. Anyway, it's the the new updated version of Fright Night. This vampire movie just came out maybe, I don't know, six months ago, something like that, earlier in 2011, and it stars Colin Farrell, and it stars El, El, Anton Yelkin. Is that how you say his name? He played Chekhov in the 2009 Star Trek movie. He's in it. Uh, we've got uh, Tony Collette is in it, and just uh, an, uh, an actress you've seen in a few things, maybe Imogene Potts is her name. She's from the UK, from London, I believe. Anyway, it was a great, uh, they did a great job with it. Uh, that other guy was that was in um, Superbad, and he was in Kick-Ass. I can't remember the actor's name, is Christopher Plass or something like that? I don't know. He always plays kind of a nerdy, geeky kid, but he's in it too. Anyway... But the other actor that's in it that I thought was just great in the movie that that completely blew away his previous image and persona that I know him from is David Tennant. David Tennant is in this uh, new uh, Fright Night movie that was out uh, that came out, and he plays this kind of schlocky magician slash vampire expert in the movie. And but he's a real you know he's kind of a boozing kind of uh, crazy guy. You know it's just. I don't want to say too much again, but you got to see this, and he's great in it. And I think the movie was really well done. This movie uh, has quite a few shocks and surprises in it. Things happen in it, and it moves along really quick. And you'd be surprised by, I think, some of the stuff that goes on in this movie. They, they, they kind of, I think, defy the normal conventions of these kind of movies a little bit, is the way I, I'd put it. And uh, I highly recommend it. It had been reviewed pretty well. Most people really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the original Fright Night with Roddy McDowell, you know, way back, I think, in the 80s was when that one came out. 
So this was a lot of fun, and I highly suggest, especially for David Tennant fans, to see him in a completely different kind of role from when he played Doctor Who. Go check out the new Fright Night when you get a chance. So now I'm going to take a break, and I'll come back with some Trek news and information, and then we'll be getting into the TNG episode. After I left Starfleet, I made it my life's work to reunite the Romulans with their Vulcan brothers. For many years, I lived among them and waged a campaign of peace. Live long. 21 years ago, the star of the Hobus system went supernova and sent a wave of devastation across the quadrant. I promised to save the Romulan homeworld. I failed. The planets Romulus and Remus were destroyed. Countless billions were killed. My home, my friends, my life, all are memories. Time does not stop for one man, and neither does history. The chaos in Romulan space gave the Klingon Empire an opportunity to expand its territory. Jim Pak, the Chancellor of the High Council, traded diplomacy for the tip of a blade. Only in battle, Jim Pak says, is a Klingon truly Klingon. The Federation did its utmost to preserve its alliance with the Klingons, but war was inevitable. Romulans want revenge for their lost world. The Dominion is rebuilding its forces. Now, the Borg have reappeared and attacked the Vega colony. The Alpha Quadrant balances on the edge of ruin. The fate of the galaxy rests in your hands. All right, I'm back. Uh, that, uh, what you just heard there was... Um, the Star Trek Online MMO game is going to uh, be going free to play starting in about mid-January, I believe like the 17th of January or so. Don't quote me on that exact date, but around the middle of January, it's going to a free to play model, uh, Star Trek Online. So if you've never had a chance to try this game, I, I suggest if you're a fan of Trek and you have a decent computer, you give this game a go. It's 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 got some good fun moments in it. I played it for a little while. I just don't seem to have the time to devote to it. I, but it, they've been improving and improving over the last year, this game. So uh, anyway, that is some opening narration there that they're doing for a new video or have a new video uh, with Leonard Nimoy talking about uh, giving you some background on the game itself. So check that out when you get a chance. Uh, next up, Star Trek movie. Star Trek... Uh, Oh, whatever this is, Star Trek 13. I wish we'd get a title for it. You know, I'm tired of calling it the next Star Trek movie or the J.J. Abrams uh, Star Trek follow-up movie, you know, or Star Trek 2, you know, part 2 or whatever it's going to be called. I believe it will still get a, will be like the, 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 the really kind of way they were doing it for a while. It will be something Star Trek colon subtitle, you know, Star Trek the next Wrath of Khan, or the new Wrath of Khan, or Wrath of Khan, the next generation. Because 
I, I, I don't know. Well, I shouldn't really say that. That's spreading a, a, a very a rumor that's been going around for as long as really this movie's been a, a possibility and being talked about. But I, I think it's mixed messages. I, I, I've gone so far, I've gone 360, 720 degrees around and around on who and what this movie's going to be about. First, I thought, no way they do con. Then I was starting to think they do con. Now I'm starting to swing back the other way and don't think it's going to be con for a few reasons. Uh, it's uh, it's really tricky, and, and I think we will know, I think, soon. I think we will know before the end of this year easily uh, who they cast and the kind of character they're playing in this part. A couple of things that have come out uh, that are, I think, official. This is pretty... I think it's pretty official that Peter Weller, Peter Weller, the actor from RoboCop, and most recently I saw him on last season's Dexter, and he was also in Enterprise. And did I mention this? I don't think on last week's podcast. Maybe I did, perhaps. But anyway, he is going to be in the next Star Trek movie. He's the the word around the net is that he's going to be playing some kind of a CEO type character. So. Yeah, we'll see how that one works out if that's really a, the, a true part of it. But it looks like he is going to be in the movie. But they are still searching for another actor. You know, Benicio Del Toro was rumored for a long time to be uh, a front runner, And I guess that was true. They were definitely speaking to him. But I guess negotiations kind of broke down. And he's not going to be, at last report that I've seen, he's not going to be in the movie. So... That is, uh, looks like uh, no Benicio in the movie. But a couple of actor names that have been floated around, and this is encouraging the con rumor. There's one guy here especially, this guy named Edgar Ramirez. He is obviously of Hispanic. He's actually a Venezuelan. Uh, he uh, was, uh, he's been in a few things. Uh, he was in a movie called Carlos, I think. Uh, but uh, he's not very well known. He's uh, also um, been in, I think, a Bourne movie, uh, The Bourne Ultimatum. Uh, he was in something called Vantage Point. Uh, he was all—he's also going to be in the next uh, Clash of the Titans movie, which is called Wrath of the Titans. He plays—he'll uh, be playing Ares. Anyway, he is in uh, the running for uh, a villain role in this next Star Trek movie. This guy named Edgar Ramirez. He looks very con-like. I mean, his face, you know, his facial features, you know, he looks like he could do, definitely do a con part. Uh, another guy uh, that, uh, there's a guy named uh, Jordi Mola, Mola. Uh, he's, uh, he was in Colombiana, and he is also in the mix for this role. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's uh, hopefully they'll get this settled pretty soon. Hopefully we will learn on the name of the villain, and if it's obviously uh, Khan Noonien Singh, we will know <laughs> this is a Khan movie. Uh, the uh, you know it's it's a lot of stuff being talked about and a lot of stuff being thrown around right now about all this. So uh, so we'll see how it all all plays out. Uh, the uh, you know. It takes some time to put all this stuff together, but they're supposedly going to start filming around mid-January, so they are about a month away or so from filming, so they've got to get some things nailed down. There's even an interview. If you go over to trekmovie.com, there's a very brief little, it's not even a minute long, uh, uh, somebody from MTV talking to uh, Zachary Quinto, who, of course, plays uh, the Spock role in the movie, was on Heroes, really good guy, good actor, uh, they're asking him a little bit what he knows and in this thing, which wasn't recorded that long ago, he says he hasn't even read the script. So it's kind of funny they're uh, 
even the regulars, even the actors uh, that, um, you know, are going to have major parts in this movie haven't read the script. But, you know, they are signed up for the movie. I think they had those clauses in the movie uh, put in the script, not in the script, sorry, put into the um, into their contracts for the first movie before they even did the the 2009 film for J.J. So they're uh, going to be in it. Everyone's going to be back, and we'll find out more about the guest parts soon, I guess, uh, you know. Uh, a couple other little Trek tidbits and tip stories going around. Uh, they've got some, there are some new books out. Obviously, I talked to uh, Michael Martin last week. Thanks again for him uh, talking to me. We've got some new books. There's, uh, I think there's another TNG book I was just hearing about that just came out. Uh, so make sure you check uh, check that out. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, let's see, Christopher Bennett and The Struggle Within... It's an ebook novella, it looks like. So uh, that's uh, interesting. And what else we've got? Michael Dorn had a birthday. Oh, New Mexico. For you people out in the Southwest, anyone near New Mexico, they've started a new uh, a lottery game with a Star Trek scratch off lottery cards. So uh, there's some cool, uh, cool looking lottery cards uh, out. And if you want, uh, you know, want to swing over there, I know we've got some friends uh, of the show out in the Arizona Phoenix area. I'm not sure how far away New Mexico is from you guys, but uh, there is that lottery game, and maybe you can uh, beam on over to New Mexico and pick up some uh, scratch-off Star Trek tickets and try your Trek luck out. So uh, I think that's about it. I think that's all I needed to cover for uh, our Star Trek roundup of news for the last week or so. Uh, there should be, again, more to report soon, I think, on the movie. I'm looking forward to that. And I, I, I'm very excited, too, because these actors from the Abrams movie, one of the sort of slight pluses uh, for them of having so much time off between films is they've had a chance to go off and do some other things. I just mentioned, you know, Anton Yelkin, who was... Uh, in the uh, Star Trek movie as Chekhov, was in Fright Night. Just about all of them I've seen pop up in other stuff. Definitely, uh, you know, doing well on, in their careers. And they most of them had pretty, you know, pretty good careers going even before the movie. So I think that's great, and it, I think it allows uh, them to not become too typecast. And John Cho, of course, who played Sulu, he's done lots of stuff. Uh, he was on that movie... Uh, Oh, what was the one where they saw Fast Forward or something? Fast, uh, what, what am I trying to think of? The, the one where they could see the future, the one that was on last year for a year. Ah, it made such an impression, I can't remember the title. I'll listen, or not listen, I'll, while I listen to my break uh, spot here, I will look that up. But then I'm going to come back and we're going to get into the TNG episode, The First Duty. So everyone, stand by for that, and I'll be back in a moment. This is Clone Trooper TC3761, stationed on Utapar. I just wanted to wish all of my brothers on Camino a very Merry Christmas. Alright, here we go with the first duty. Stardate 4570 We are en route to Earth, where it will be my pleasant duty to deliver this year's commencement address at Starfleet Academy. I'm also looking forward to seeing Wesley Crusher again. His flight team will perform a demonstration near Saturn that will be transmitted to the graduation ceremonies. Captain, Starfleet Academy is requesting an update on our estimated arrival. Mr. Data, we should be arriving at Earth in 10 hours, 16 minutes, sir. Please inform the Academy, Mr. Wolf, and send my regards to Superintendent Brand. Aye, sir. Do you know Admiral Brand? We've met a few times. She's a formidable woman. Sounds like my superintendent. 
when I was at the academy, we had a Vulcan superintendent who had memorized the personnel files of every single cadet, knew everything about them. It's like having your parents around all the time. <laughs> My superintendent was a Betazoid, full telepath. When he sent for you to his office, he didn't have to ask what you'd done. You got called to the superintendent's office. It's a story I'd like to hear. Sir, we are being hailed again by the academy. It is Admiral Brand. On screen. Oh, sir, she is requesting a private channel. In my ready room. Oh, private channel with the Admiral. Okay, all right, sure. Okay, does a little Picard maneuver as he moves over, too, so. Admiral Brand, what can I do for you? Hello, Captain. I know you're a close friend of the Crusher family. Yes. I wanted to inform you personally. There's been an accident. Wesley! No! Wait a second, that's more like Darth Vader, so, uh... That's probably not appropriate here. Okay. Do my usual dial down the opening credits and give you some background on this episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. We are in Season 5 at this point. This is the 19th episode of that season. First aired back on March 30th, 1992, so almost 20 years ago. Oh, my gosh. And uh, it is written by uh, Ronald D. Moore. Ron Moore of Battlestar Galactica fame wrote this episode along with Naren Shankar, who was one of the regular staff writers, too, on TNG. Now... Most of you listening to this probably are aware of what the sort of storyline is for this episode. You know, this is a very sort of non-sci-fi type tale here. It's it's really a uh, it's really a character piece, a character drama. Uh, we also, though, get to see a few things that are interesting. I think for Star Trek uh, fans and for all of us, the. Uh, we get to see Starfleet Academy. We get to see Starfleet uh, really for the first time. It's talk, been talked about for a long uh, while at this point, you know, through the original series, through, uh, you know, almost five seasons of TNG. And now we finally get to uh, to see the Academy really in person. This episode was also uh, it was directed by a guy named Paul Lynch, who was, I think, a really good director and did a good job with this episode. So... Or is a good director, I should probably say. Anyway, back into this episode of TNG. He had second-degree burns of the chest and multiple fractures of his right arm, but he's going to be fine. Have they completed the regeneration series? I'm not certain. Wesley's allergic to metoropan treatments. I think they'll have to use a bicarotene substitute. I should Beverly. send his complete records to the Academy Infirmary. Of course, they probably already have them. Yeah, I would hope they have their better. his files, you know. Come he's on. Fine. He's fine. I know he's fine. I know he's fine. This is a good episode for Will Wheaton, especially, happen? too, who I've really gotten to like even uh, more in the last few years. He's practicing on the Academy flight range near Saturn. They were flying a close formation. There was a collision. All five ships were destroyed. Four of the cadets were able to transport out. One didn't make it. Do you know who it was? Yes, his name was Joshua Albert. Wesley spoke of him. They were friends. Wesley was so excited to make the flight team. 
Of course, I was a little nervous, but I was proud. I always knew there was a chance that something like this might. Beverly, Wesley's alive and he's well. Yeah, it's a good, you know, good scene there. You know, she's just trying to keep it together, and obviously her son, you know, being hurt, I can understand the feelings there that that would bring out. There was very out. little to salvage from the wreckage. We did recover one of the ship's data recorders, but it was badly damaged. We are attempting to restore the information, but that will take some time. I just realized I had my speakers on for the first few minutes here, so I hope that didn't give us any echo Captain for the first Sotelk part. and I will be taking depositions from Nova Squadron at 1,500 hours today. I'm trying to look up the actress here playing uh, Admiral Brand. I'm sure that everyone in this room joins me in expressing my deepest sympathies to you on the tragic loss of your son. There will be a memorial service for Cadet Albert this evening in the West Garden. It has been suggested that we should cancel the graduation ceremony. Jacqueline Brooks, happened. it looks like, is her Commander name. Commander Albert and I have discussed this, and we've agreed that commencement should go forward as planned. Commander Albert is this guy named Ed Louder. Like this, there are still duties to perform. I've seen him in a lot of different things over the years, a lot of and guest parts continues. on shows. Thank you all for coming. It's good to see you again, Captain. I wish it were under better circumstances. This is an unhappy way to begin commencement. If you require any assistance, then the Enterprise is at your disposal. I'm sure we'll be able to conduct the investigation, but thank you for your offer. Now we go into where Wesley's quarters are. He's kind of working this thing to kind of strengthen his right arm, kind of a little exercise thing that's hooked up um, to a cable and that, and then he knock on the door. Wes. I like the fact that the doors to the academy here have, so uh, you. you gotta go How and open them. Not bad. The arm's a little sore. We were very sorry to hear about Joshua. You'll notice if you look closely in this scene, there's a Franklin Mint. I don't think so. A pewter enterprise sitting on Wesley's desk here. It's pretty cool. I've got one of those over in my cabinet. I know you're just trying to be helpful, sir, but it seems like that's all I've talked about for the last two days, and I don't want to go through it again. I understand. I just want you to know that I'm available if you should change your mind. Thank you, sir. Yeah, so they don't even have door chimes or anything. you got to go open the door, somebody knocks, and enter Robert Duncan McNeil. Captain, sir? Not as Tom Paris. This is my squadron leader, Nicholas Locarno. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Enterprise. My mother, Dr. Beverly Crusher. Hello, Doctor. Hello. Captain Picard. Mr. Locarno. I came by to see if Wes had healed up all right. And how are you feeling, Nicholas? Oh, I'm okay. I just never lost anyone under my command before. I'm afraid that never gets easier. Captain, Mom. Will you excuse us, please? 
Nick and I have some things we need to talk about. Of course. Oh, that's a little odd. Come all this way and kick you out right away, huh? Now, the Lucarno character uh, here, played by Robert Duncan McNeil, was considered to... Uh, Good to meet you, Mr. Lucarno. You to, too, sir. ...to be actually on Voyager in the Tom Paris-type role as the helmsman, but uh, they didn't want to do that. for 1,500 hours. You ready? I think so. Don't worry about it, Wes. Everything's going to be all right. As long as we stick together. And that's a little suspicious. Anyway, they, they didn't want to use Locarno's character because the people that wrote and worked on this episode would have gotten residuals for every future Voyager episode. Hey, can't you see that's a flower bed? Sorry. So anyway, they, they ended up doing a character similar to Locarno in Tom Paris and Robert Dunk McNeil got to play him. So it still kind of worked out. And I can understand that. Not a big... Not a big thing, but they were thinking of having him as the character on Voyager. Now we get to meet Boothby. Jean-Luc Picard, class of 27. I know that. What happened to your hair? How are you? I'm pretty damn cranky, thank you. I've already replanted this bed four times this week. Ray Walston is just great. You? I've acquired an interest over the years. Well, don't plant them too deep. The stems will... Will rot. Captain Picard. Of the Enterprise, no less. And giving the commencement address. You sound surprised. Surprised? Uh-uh. Nothing you ever did surprised me, son. Except that time you caught that Ligonian with a reverse body lift and pinned him in the first 14 seconds of the match. Didn't think you had it in you. Well, it was all in the legs. All that running I did. <laughs> Boothby. Hmm? I don't think that I ever... I don't think I ever told you. How much I appreciate. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to tell. Yes, there is. I... I just wanted to... while I was here. Look, you know as well as I do, I would never have graduated if you... You made a mistake. There isn't a man among us who hasn't been young enough to make one. Nevertheless, you did what you had to do. You did what you thought was best. I just made sure that you listened to yourself. The scenes here are you, you actually done at a water reclamation man. plant called the Tillman Water Reclamation the Plant way, for locations for Starfleet. You are now. I didn't speak to you for months. You needed to get your bearings. I knew that. The important thing is what you did with your life afterwards. Seems you did okay. That's thanks enough for me. Yeah, Ray Walston was just Did great you know the boy to get for this part. Squadron who was killed? Perfect, really, Josh in my Albert? opinion. Yeah. Crusher, Hazard, Sito, Lacarno. I know them all.
nervous? No. Yes. <laughs> That's okay, so am I. But we're gonna be all right. One of the things tough times ahead, but we've always come through about this I always thought was kind of interesting Whatever is happens. They're I all want you all to know that leading this team has been the high point of my years at the academy. Never mind, I'll hang on for a second. No one could have asked for a better team. Our better friends. Let's go. At this point, we accelerated and executed a starboard turn of 27 degrees. We so they're in a hearing now, and, and you were still obviously in the lead position. going yes, over sir. their flight path and everything. Continue. As we enter Titan's gravitational sphere, I gave the signal to tighten up and move into a diamond slot formation. Remaining in the diamond formation, we executed a low apogee turn around Titan and began a Z-plus 25-degree climb in preparation for a Jaeger loop. Approximately... Nine seconds later, Cadet Albert's ship collided with Cadet Hazars. We had less than two seconds to activate our emergency transporters and beam to the evac stations at Mimas. Everyone made it except Josh. Thank you, Mr. Locarno. Yeah, the, uh, I think the Ed Lauder character, if I remember, is, is the, uh, the father of the one As guy that navigator. got died. You filed a flight plan with the Academy Range Officer before the exercise, correct? Yes, sir. Did Nova Squadron deviate from that flight plan after you entered the Saturn Range? No, sir. And how do you explain the fact that the low apogee turn around Titan was at least 2,000 kilometers closer to the moon than indicated in your plan? We were still within flight safety parameters, sir. That was not my question, Cadet. <clears throat> we had discussed changing our approach after I filed the flight plan. Final decision was made en route to Saturn. I didn't consider it significant enough to mention here. I apologize for the confusion, sir. I should have been more precise. Did you see Mr. Albert's ship break formation before it collided with your ship? No, sir. My first indications of trouble were when my proximity alarm went off. You may be seated. Did uh, any of you see the collision take place? There's a Vulcan no, on the panel that's talking there. Cadet Sita, you were in the tailed position. Therefore, you should have seen any sign of trouble from Cadet Albert. And you saw nothing? That is correct, sir. Did your attention falter? No, sir. I was flying solely on sensor readings at the time. I did not have any visual contact with Cadet Albert's ship when he broke formation. Sensor readings? What's wrong? Well, it's unusual to fly on sensors alone during this type of maneuver. Pilot relies on visual clues from the other ships to maintain formation. If you were flying on sensors alone, perhaps you could tell us the orientation of his ship before the collision. I don't know, sir. You were flying a ship, traveling 80,000 kph, with Cadet Albert's ship less than 10 meters away, and you don't know what his orientation was? 
I don't remember, sir. Sir, may I? Go ahead. Admiral. Josh was a good pilot. But lately, he'd been having difficulties. He'd get nervous during close flybys and pull away in the final seconds. His formation flying was a little erratic. And you didn't report this to anyone? No, sir, I didn't. We'd flown together a long time. I thought he could handle it if I gave him a chance. I was wrong. Then you are saying that the accident was Cadet Albert's fault. I think Josh got frightened and tried to pull out of the turn prematurely and then crashed into Cadet Hajar. Josh was our friend. I'm trying to remember where they all beam to, be to when they get out of there. Is there a station nearby? I'm trying to recall what that how that works. Please be <laughs> you know, can't beam that far away unless there maybe there's some kind of an outpost or a station on Titan. I'm very disturbed by what I have heard here today. By your own admission, you allowed your teammate to fly when you knew he was having difficulties maintaining formation. That demonstrates a serious lack of judgment. I am also disturbed by the fact that you did not come forward with this information immediately. We should have the first data from Mr. Crusher's flight recorder tonight. We will reconvene at 1300 hours tomorrow. Oh, she's not happy. Yeah. And there's, you know, a lot of rumblings going on and the people watching and everything. Beverly's there, Captain Picard. Everything's fine. Wesley doesn't look happy. This is obviously, you learn pretty quickly that this is obviously not the way things really went down. It doesn't make any sense overall. I don't know, Captain. The Academy has one of the best reconstructive analysis labs in Starfleet. I'm not sure there's much we could contribute to the investigation. Yes, I may well be. But Wesley's one of our own. Understood, sir. We'll get right on it. Good. I've spoken with Admiral Brand, and she's agreed to allow us access to all of the physical evidence and testimony. Thank you, gentlemen. So Picard just put uh, Data and Geordi on the Should job, said too. It, Nick. Josh wasn't responsible for what happened. I had to do something. You said that we weren't going to have to lie to them. We all agreed not to lie to them. I didn't lie. Everything I said was the truth. The accident was not Josh's fault. Look, it was my friend, too, Wes. I worked to get him on this team, but the truth is he panicked. We don't know that. Of course we do. None of us has wanted to say it out loud, but we've all had the same thought. Haven't we? Yeah, see, uh, you know, Wesley isn't really convinced, obviously. He pulled away too soon. I think he got scared. Zito? Wes, I know you want to protect his memory. We all do. But we have to look out for ourselves now. What do you want us to do? Walk in there and tell them everything that happened? We might as well turn in our uniforms and start packing our bags. Are we ready for that? Classic uh, situation and case here. one step at a time. Of something happening. This is the preliminary report from your flight recorder. And then the... It was damaged so badly in the crash that the lab could only retrieve a third of the total telemetry from the recorder. 
And all of it is before the collision. There's no problem here. The, uh, you know, the idea of I I covering things up versus sort of backing you your friends. Lie. Just don't volunteer any new information. It's just a classic kind of a story, really, because of, you know, you get into school, things happen. Do you back your friends or the do you, do you, you, do the, you know, tell the truth, I do the I right you on this thing? You, more than any of the rest, would understand what it means to be able to count on someone. Because you've been out there putting yourself on the line. You know you've got to be able to count on the people on your team because your life is in their hands. And their lives are in yours. We made a promise to each other right in the beginning that we'd stick together. We were Nova Squadron. Nobody else could say that. And even after we graduated, we tried to get posted on the same duty. We were going to be a team for a long time. Josh can't be a part of those plans anymore. But I think he would still want us to be a team. It's what a pretty mean? convincing argument, really, when you think about it. I mean, it's like, you know, what's happened has happened in a way. Is it really that, you know, worth pushing it, even if you're, you know, the, the truth isn't quite what it should be? So, it, you know, Wesley, eh, he's a pretty much a goody two shoes, really, overall. Sir. And now, uh, the, uh... Am I interrupting? No. This is Ed Lauder's character, Albert. I was Albert. just going over my deposition for tomorrow. You told me you'd be here. I found this in Josh's room. I think it belongs to you. Our ski trip. Josh and I went to Calgary last month. He forgot his sweater, so we borrowed one of mine. told me you helped him with his classes. A little. He only needed help in statistical mechanics. Josh had a weakness. It was mathematics. No, he could do it. He just didn't like to. His mother and I thought he'd never get out of calculus. Then he found out what the academy entrance requirements were like. And that turned him around. He stayed after class. Got a tutor. Really worked hard. Never gave up on anything. And he had a lot of respect for you. Everybody on the team. I realized it was his fault. That everybody could have been killed. Well, maybe not his fault, really. You know, I want to say that uh, this is a, a good thing here for Wesley to hear. I want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that he let you down. You know, it's seeing the father of your friend saying that, you know, apologizing for almost getting you killed, you know, is kind of. Uh, you know, it's a difficult thing. It's nice Are that they ready, have Mr. the Crusher? the flag at Starfleet going at half mast yes, right now too. And you see those scenes outside. So now Wesley's on on sort of on the stand here. This is the beginning of our run toward Titan. I'm on the right wing. Where is Mr. Albert at this point? He was on my port quarter, approximately 50 meters away. 
We've just received the signal to begin the diamond slot formation. That's Cadet Locarno coming into view now. We're in a 20 degree turn around Titan. We should be coming out of Titan's gravity well about now. That is the extent of the data we were able to recover from the flight recorder. Mr. Crusher, would you describe what happened after you left orbit of Titan? Once we cleared the moon, Mr. Locarno led us into a Jaeger loop. Approximately nine seconds later, my proximity alarm went off. I tried to veer away, but it was too late, and I was hit. I lost control of my ship. A power coupling exploded in my cockpit. I don't know how, but I managed to activate my escape transporter. And the next thing I remember is finding myself on the emergency evac station on Mimas with ah. the rest of the squadron. So there is another, Exit that's where they go to, another moon there. Do you have anything to add to your testimony? No, sir. You almost think that the machine, that the uh, will you describe the ship would do that automatically. But I guess it's like the emergency the release. The in a diamond slot formation and climb and loop backwards at a steep angle. And at the peak of the loop, turn over and accelerate in a new direction. Mr. Crusher, did your team remain in formation throughout the loop? Yes, sir. I want you to be absolutely clear on this point, Mr. Crusher. Before the collision, was Nova Squadron in a diamond slot formation? Yes, sir. Computer, display Saturn Navcon file 6-379. So These images were obtained from a navigational control satellite in orbit around Saturn during a standard sensor sweep. Computer, freeze image. They uh, have other data here. Gamma three and enhance. Basically showing the ships. This image was recorded when your ships moved briefly into the satellite sensor range. According to the time index, what you see on the monitor took place seven seconds after Nova Squadron completed the Eager Loop. Mr. Crusher. And it shows them. Are these ships in a diamond slot formation? They're not, obviously. No, sir. What is your explanation, Mr. Crusher? I have none, sir. I'm lying. <laughs> oh, Wesley. Wesley. Everything's going to be okay, Wesley. There must be an explanation for all of this. Data and Geordi are already analyzing the flight recorder and the satellite transmission. Uh-oh. Well, there must be something Data wrong and Geordi, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Might have been tampered with. Mom. Well, there must be some explanation for this. I know you're telling the truth, but the satellite data made it look as if you were lying. I am I lying, Mom. I parents. <laughs> I am going to talk to Admiral Brand and ask her to delay the inquiry. Mom, don't. You can't do that. I'm not going to let them ruin your career, Wesley. You haven't done anything wrong. Well, yeah, maybe. Mom, don't try to protect me. 
slip. Please stay out of this. Yeah. Well, first you kicked me out of your room. Now you don't want me to investigate this thing. Hmm. Come on, people. Figure it out. Even if it is Wesley, he's not being completely truthful uh, here. Now we're we'll back to uh, keep popping up in the Picard and Boothby here. More plants don't have a chance to grow. You could use a good herbicide instead of pulling the weeds with your bare hands. Mm -hmm. And you could explore space on a holodeck instead of a starship. Boothbit, tell me something more about Nova Squadron. Not going well, is it? No, it isn't. You remember the Parisi Squares Tournament of 24? The final game against Minsk. It took me three weeks to repair the grounds after the celebration. We had a lot to celebrate. Our team wasn't supposed to win. We were very proud of them. Well, the cadets today are just as proud of the Nova Squadron. The celebration they held after Nova won the Rigel Cup made 24 look like a dinner party. To the other cadets, the members of that team are gods, and that's a hard image to live up to. But Nick Locarno, he watches out for them. He keeps them together. Nick is what makes that team special. He's their coach, surrogate father, and best friend all in one. A natural leader. The members of that team love him. If he asks them to do something, they do it. Even if it means going right over a cliff. So, Boothby, what are you saying here? That he may have asked them to do something that he shouldn't have. That they're not being forthcoming about. Ah, Boothby. We needed more of Boothby in TNG, I think. Nothing conclusive. We do know that the collision occurred about four seconds after the satellite images were recorded. But we still don't know how the ships got into the new formation or why the crash occurred. We unsuccessfully tried 53 different computational models in an effort to simulate the movements of the Nova Squadron just prior to the crash. There are just too many variables to take into consideration. Speed, attitude, course. Did Wesley's flight recorder indicate that there was anything unusual about the ship or the way it was operating? Well, the starboard power flow was fluctuating. However, it was well within operational limits. Fluidic pressure in the landing struts was low, but I don't know what difference that would make. We did find that Wesley opened his coolant interlock just before beginning the maneuver around Titan. That is a bit unusual. Normally, the interlock is closed unless you're performing a check on the engine coolant levels. But there's no evidence that Wesley was performing that sort of a check. Filling the primary coolant tanks requires an open interlock, but that can only be performed in a maintenance bay. Is there any other reason for opening the valve? Uh, it's the first step in purging the plasma exhaust. That procedure would be extremely hazardous while the ship was in flight. Yeah, the engine would probably ignite the plasma. Ignite the plasma. That's exactly what they were trying to do. Yep, they were trying to do something they shouldn't have, and they didn't quite pull it off. Come. And now Wesley and Picard are going to have a little talk. Captain? Can you tell me what this maneuver is? And he shows them this... Starburst, sir. Yeah, it's a starburst kind of looking thing with five, five, five ships. ships. 
crossing within 10 meters of each other and igniting their plasma trails. One of the most spectacular and difficult demonstrations in precision flying. And it hasn't been performed at the academy for over 100 years. Do you know why? It was banned by the academy following a training accident, sir. An accident in which all five cadets lost their lives. Uh-huh. What have you been up to, Wesley, huh? Huh? Come on, out with it. Come on. I think that Nicholas Locarno wanted to end his academy career in a blaze of glory. That he convinced the four of you to learn the Colvord Starburst for the commencement demonstration. If it worked, it would thrill the assembled guests. And Locarno would graduate as a living legend. Well, it didn't work. And Joshua Albert paid the price. Am I correct? Cadet, I asked you a question. Am I correct? I choose not to answer, sir. Choose not. Choose not to answer. <laughs> Picard, this is a great scene. Really good. Picard gets up. But you've already given an answer to the inquiry. And walks over to right in front of Wesley's face. I said the accident occurred after the loop. It did. What you neglected to mention was that following the loop, your team attempted a maneuver that was the direct cause of the crash. You told the truth up to a point. But a lie of omission is still a lie. Yep. Picard knows he's right at this point. Do you remember the first day you came aboard this ship? Your mother brought you on the bridge. Yes, sir. You even sat in my chair. I was annoyed. Presumptuous child playing on my ship. But I never forgot how you already knew every control, every display. Behaved as though you belonged on the bridge. And then later, when I decided to make you an acting ensign, I was convinced you could be an outstanding officer. And I never questioned that conviction. Until now. The first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth, whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth. It is the guiding principle on which Starfleet is based. Now, if you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth about what happened, you don't deserve to wear that uniform. I'm going to make this simple for you, Mr. Crusher. Either you come forward and tell Admiral Brand what really took place, or I will. Captain. Dismissed. Now, there's a, uh, a real interesting difference in the history of this episode and I think I'm going to hold off and talking about it towards the end a little bit, but it has to do with the, the writers debating about the way Wesley decides to go in this. And, and they had a disagreement on which way Wesley was going to go by the end of the episode. I kind of like the way they went with it, but I think it would have been interesting the other way. He said that if I didn't come forward and tell the truth now, he would. He said he figured it out. Does he have any evidence? No, but he knew exactly how it happened. Captain Picard doesn't know anything. He has a theory. 
So let him tell the inquiry what he thinks happened. They'll ask us, is it true? We'll say no, sir. There's no evidence, so there's no case. We'll get off with a reprimand. I can't call Captain Picard a liar. Wesley, we have to hang on just a little bit longer. Then this will all be over. It's wrong, Nick. Wesley. No. I'm going to tell them what happened. You're going to tell them what happened. You, alone, are going to decide what happens to me, to Cito, to Jean. You're going to decide that? I'm not going to lie to them again, Nick. I can't live with it. You can't lie to them. You can't live with this. You have to tell them what happened. Who the hell are you? Nick! You're gonna turn us in. No, wait a minute. No, you wait a minute! Yeah, it's he tricky, got to, didn't he? you know, to to turn on your Picard friends you and get them all in trouble. Duty and honor. Even though he's the only one that really wants to come clean, it, it does affect all of them. Well, it must have been a pretty good speech to make you turn your back on your friends. We're Starfleet cadets. We have a duty to the truth. What about your duty to your friends? I got you on this team. I gave you a chance when there were upperclassmen waiting in line. I said, he won't let us down. He was on the Enterprise. He knows what it's like to trust somebody with his life. Well, I guess I was wrong. If we all come forward together and tell Admiral Brand... We don't want to come forward. Cito, Gene and me, we don't have a problem with this. But if you do, then resign your appointment to the Academy and walk away. Don't make us pay for your guilty conscience. You'd let me do that? You'd let me throw away my career? Just to save your neck? To save the team. That's more important than you. And it's more important than me. And if I were in your place, I'd do it without hesitation. But that's me. I have to say, even though he's kind of a bad guy in a way, you know, Locarno, he, he makes a, a good case and a good point. That's that's what's great about this episode. Captain Satelk and I have gone over your testimony. There's not physical evidence from this the crash. black and white your thing. Your statements cannot be reconciled with the data collected from the NAVCOM satellite. Your unwillingness to offer any explanation for this contradiction is disappointing uh, and yeah. raises suspicion. I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> I'm like. You cannot escape the conclusion that either the data is faulty in some way. That's probably not very likely. Or you have lied to us. However, suspicion is not proof. And I have no proof that you have lied to this inquiry. Therefore, if no further evidence is presented, I have no choice but to close this investigation. So now it's close, maybe. For filing an inaccurate flight plan, 
and for allowing Cadet Albert to fly when you knew he was having difficulties. I'm ordering a formal reprimand placed on each of your permanent records. I'm also revoking your flight privileges. This inquiry is closed. Sir, I would like to add something to my testimony. Proceed, Mr. Crusher. Well, not so closed, I guess. Yesterday, I testified that the crash occurred following a Jaeger loop. That is not entirely true. We performed a loop and afterwards broke formation and attempted a culvert starburst. We knew it was prohibited. We knew it was dangerous. But we wanted to do something spectacular for the commencement demonstration. We pushed Josh into it, and he wasn't ready. We thought we could do it. We thought we could do anything. We were wrong. And Josh died. Josh didn't let us down, sir. It wasn't his fault. Mr. Locarno, you are the leader of Nova Squadron. Do you have anything to say? Mr. Locarno. No, sir. See, he could have taken the brunt of it at that point. He could have said, Nah, I I pushed you guys into this. I talked you into it. I was the leader. But um, Mr. Lacano has been expelled. They should have expelled all of us. They very nearly did. Mr. Lacano made an impassioned plea for the rest of you. Oh, he, he did speak he up. That's right. a squadron leader to convince you to attempt the call board maneuver, and then to cover up the truth. He asked to take full responsibility. He did exactly what he said he would. He protected the team. I feel awful. That's I right. Let down everyone. My mother, my friends, you. You should feel bad. And you will pay for what you've done. Admiral Brand has decided that in addition to a formal reprimand, your academic credits for the past year will be cancelled and you will not advance with your class. I understand. I gotta pay Starfleet more money, more credits? It's not gonna be easy. <laughs> Staying here on campus? Everyone knowing what you did? You have difficult times ahead. Yes, sir. Thank you, Captain. You knew what you had to do. I just made sure that you listened to yourself. Goodbye, Cadet. Goodbye, Captain. So you're roommates with Wesley the Rat. Alright, so that's the uh, the episode, and I wanted to give you just a little bit more on this uh, 
like I was saying about the the difference between the storyline, uh, you know, the uh, the idea that basically there was a dispute that rose between uh, Ron Moore and Pillar regarding the ending. Pillar recalled, I thought he should chose the truth and Ron thought he couldn't go back on his friends. Ultimately, I gave the order to go with the truth. That's what I'd want my kids to do. But I think it shows how much we can get into these characters when we find ourselves debating the points they are arguing. And then more later elaborated that had he prevailed, the story would have structured much differently, that Wesley's actions would still be the correct moral choice. He said, uh, Wes commits an act of moral courage by standing up for the truth and is being punished, while uh, when to remain silent would have allowed him to go scot-free. Now, let's assume the circumstances had been constructed so that the Nova Squadron was going to be kicked out of the Academy by the court if they kept silent about what really happened and say the team had made the decision not to finger the one among them who came up with the idea that we all hang together. In that scenario, Wesley coming forward to tell the truth is suddenly an act of moral cowardice because it appears that he's only trying to save his own skin at the expense of his teammates. So, you know, it's an interesting story and, and dichotomy a little bit there with, you know, between your duty as a Starfleet officer, cadet, and to your friends. I, I like the way, again, that they did this story and that it worked out. It seemed much... It seemed like the way Wesley would go. I don't. I don't. I couldn't really understand that them thinking that Wesley would just completely cover this up, and and say that it was this guy's fault that he crashed into them. It wasn't because they were trying to pull this other really fancy maneuver. So, I think that they did the right thing with that. It's uh, it's a good way to do this the story and end. And we get to see Wesley again. I guess is it just one more episode? That last one in the last season when he goes off with the Traveler. I think it is. So. Uh, Hey, I'm going to take a uh, short break, but during this time, I'm going to play some uh, comments from Rick Moyer and a new Trek song, uh, Trekmas song for all of you. And, and then I'll come back right after that just with a real brief wrap-up of today's show. So listen to Rick's comments and his new song, and I'll talk to you in a few. Hey, Rico, this is Rick Moyer. Yeah, your buddy Rick from Aberdeen, Washington. Moyer777 on the forums I'm the co-host of Taking With You Podcast, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm going on. This will be my fifth year of listening to you this month. Yep, I discovered you five years ago, and I have I joined the forums and listened to the podcast every single week for five years and love every moment of it. want to say thank you for covering this great TNG episode, The First Duty. What an amazing episode this was, and let me tell you why I liked it so much. Number one, we get to see Wesley is a bad boy. Yeah, Wesley bucks the system, and we get to see a little bit of the wild side of him, and I kind of like that. I do, I do, I do. It also was kind of a cool episode because we got to see uh, Tom Paris from Voyager early on as Nick Lacarno, and... Boosby. Yeah, the gardener from Starfleet is around, and John Luke talks to him a bunch, and that's kind of cool. And then, of course, uh, we uh, have a couple of uh, springboards from this particular episode, and we get to see the, one of the girls later on in the episode. Actually, I think both of the girls later on in the episodes, uh, and they kind of continue on with the story. So very, very cool episode. Really like the the um, just the whole dynamics of it. I like the trial kind of thing. It's like Perry Mason in space. And uh, it just was really interesting to see Wesley in a very, very different position than he normally was. And, of course, that carries on into the series as well when we get to see him with the Traveler and all that later on. So, great episode. Thanks for covering it. Now, 
it is Christmas time. I did have a very hard week. Um, I accidentally slip, uh, tripped over the dog's ball and broke both my elbows as I tried to catch myself on the cement. It was not a fun week. Uh, but you know what? I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, and hopefully everything will heal up nicely. Just can't use my arms right now, which is kind of different. But I can use my right hand with the mouse. And so I was able to do something fun and record another Trekmas song for you. Uh, it is called It's the Most Trectacular Time of the Year. So Merry Trekmas, everybody, and enjoy this song. And uh, we'll be back, I'm sure, soon with something fun for you. So uh, thanks, Rico, for everything. Merry Trekmas, everyone. It's the most spectacular time of the year When the boar come attacking And Klingons are packing And Romulans sneer It's the most spectacular time of the year It's the class, classiest series you know with those ships that are flying and people all trying to boldly go. It's the class, classiest series you know. There'll be tricorders reading in tribbles of feeding, new life forms to see all the way. There'll be planets for searching and bridges are jerking as forces unknown come to play. It's the most spectacular time of the year. There'll be much to discover, an alien lover and blue-looking beer. It's the most spectacular time of the year. There'll be Tricorders reading and tribbles of feeding New life forms to see on the way There'll be planets for searching And bridges a jerking As forces unknown come to play Come to play It's the most spectacular time of the year There'll be reruns for Techno babble spewing and big pointy ears. It's the most spectacular time. It's the most spectacular time. It's the most spectacular time of the Rick, I don't even know how to follow up these songs that you do. You do such a great, fantastic job, and you do it with, like, you know, broken elbows. Man, I'm so sorry to hear about your spill in your fall this week, and I, I, I hope you heal up real quick and real fast, and uh, it's uh, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's just something that happens, I guess, sometimes, but I, I, I love your spirit and the fact that you can just still make some cool Trekmas music for us, and thanks for your comments on the first duty with Wesley being a bad boy, too. <laughs> yeah, Wesley bad boy. I think they should have had him in, like, you know, at some point in, like, auto uniform in, like, 
black leather or something like that or you know on a motorcycle like uh like kirk was in uh the 2009 abrams movie you know wesley driving off with one of those girls on the back of the bike and saying mom i'm not gonna talk to you anymore let just leave me alone and you know but anyway you know that's back in the tng days they didn't quite have the budget to do stuff like that probably but anyway thanks so much uh a few last minute uh thoughts uh, i'm excited by uh the new uh, star wars game i don't I haven't been talking about star wars a lot lately uh, i've been enjoying the season's clone wars but the old republic i've pre-ordered it and it's going to have an early start for pre-order people this week uh it's a new mmo a star wars mmo uh, very much like you know the way wow is and those other mmos but a lot of cool dialogue and cool quest interactions and things when you make decisions in the game they start to affect things i had a chance to beta it a couple of weekends and uh, enjoyed it so that'll be coming out this week be playing that a little bit i'll try to report a little bit on it next week on the podcast and speaking of that next week on the podcast i'm going to look at a classic uh, fantasy film uh, I've mentioned a few times over the years doing the show, uh, this uh, movie, I think it's from 1985, I believe. It is called The Legend uh, with Tom Cruise and uh, Tim Curry and directed by Ridley Scott. Of course, Ridley Scott is working on a new Alien-isk uh, movie called Prometheus, which will be out, I think it's next summer, I believe. Uh, there's been some previews, a little bit of previews, some pictures showing up. Uh, about that. Uh, so anyway, uh, Legend next week on Treks in Sci-Fi. In two weeks, we'll be doing a kind of a Christmas music show, a lot of fun, just kind of a relaxed little show. And then on the 1st of January, we'll be doing that uh, video cast. Make sure you get your video clips in for the Secret Santa crew and those that have been doing Secret Santa. Shoot a couple of minutes of video and get it to me uh, in some fashion. You can FTP it. That information is on the forum. And uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing those and putting that together for that show. Anyway, everyone, have a great week. Uh, try to stay cool out there and the, in the, you know, stay cool and calm while you're out Christmas shopping or just running around town doing whatever. It's a little nuts out there, I notice. So uh, take care, and I'll talk to you again next time here on Treks in Sci-Fi. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. For more information, visit TreksInSciFi.com Write to Rico today at TrekSF at gmail.com That's TrekSF at gmail.com Set a course for Earth. Maximum warp. Copyright 2011. All rights reserved. I'm Captain Kirk. Treks in Sci-Fi. That is before you spray something. Your weekly dose of kinky goodness. And energy This mission would have failed without your help. I won't be speaking. To boldly podcast where no one has podcasted before. Captain Cardassians yet. Not with, we're not done with the Cardassians yet. Not with the strategic importance of that world. Thanks for joining us for Treks in Sci-Fi. Treks in Sci-Fi.